0: Talking about Christians at work and apostolics in the workplace. I I love the emphasis that you all have been giving on this, and sort of looking at something that most of us we have to deal with every single day. As Brother Johns mentioned, uh, it's it's uh, being in. I've known always known that I'm going to be a pastor, but I've always known that I was also being engaged in the workplace in some different form or fashion. And um, I'm a failed entrepreneur many times. And, uh, finally one stuck. It's just, I just had a whole bunch of spaghetti and I kept throwing it. Um, finally one stuck on the wall. I think probably the biggest difference between my failed uh, endeavors and my successful endeavors were in my failed endeavors. I, I had to act like I had everything together and I knew all the answers to everything. Whereas in my Finally, I've got a software that we're blessed with. It's doing tremendous. Uh, and I, I think I'm more honest now than I ever have been about, well, I really don't know how to hire a person. And I really don't know how to, you know, use social media to its fullest. And it's kind of interesting that I finally have hit a successful one. And I'm a little bit more honest. And so it's been cool just seeing that growth and, and engaging in the workplace and, and realizing that there are, you know, people. And I, I was at a, you know, in Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago, The morning after the situation happened actually, but there was a big convention that was there. So that, you know, how do you deal with situations like, well, let's just meet up at the party after. Or aren't you coming? Can you just drop us off at that? You know, there's questions that we as apostolics have to deal with when we're engaged in a a world that's not apostolic, that's not Christian. And how do we handle those? So I'm excited this morning to hopefully delve into that a little bit. And I believe that God's going to work in some lives and potentially in some situations of people looking for direction. Uh, So many times we come to an altar call saying, God, work in my ministry, and we need that. We need to be honest and know that God has something bigger for us than just our occupation. I had a friend once who told me, he said, well, I just kind of want to be a good saint who sits on the pew and pays my tithes. Well, that's, that's not the definition of a good saint. You've got a ministry. You recognize you have a ministry, and there's a place for that. But I'm also thankful for these, these focused time periods like your church is doing of saying, hey, now let's look at the, the work side of our lives. Genesis chapter 2, we're going to go to verse 15. It goes like this. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. I'm going to preach for just a little bit this morning on eternity and my nine to five. Eternity and my nine to five. Father, we thank you for what you've done in this place already. We thank you for your presence and your anointing. Thank you, God, that so many lives have already opened up their hearts, God. I thank you that a foundation has been built in this place, God, to be open to a message from you, to be open to something to speak into our lives. We pray that you can touch and anoint this word today. We pray, God, that hearts can be opened, God, and that we can look at the way that we work and the way that we engage with our community and with, with the people we deal with every single day. We thank you for your love and your blessings in your name. Amen. You may be seated. It's interesting to look at the first job that was ever created. A lot of people think that the first time a job is mentioned in the Bible is the book of Job. I heard one preacher who said that he actually skipped that verse when he got into the church because he didn't want a job. But um, It's interesting to see that from the very beginning, God didn't wait very long before he started giving out job descriptions. Even in complete paradise. God orchestrated for man to have a balance between pleasure and entertainment and, administrative, and administration. God orchestrated a balance between work and stuff that's enjoyable in his life. You see, Adam could enjoy the garden He could freely eat of the garden. I'm sure he was a foodie trying to try all these new different trees out every single day. I'm sure there was a Yelp app even up for all of the different ones. There's only one review on everything and that's his own. But that's just to recall and go back and make sure that he didn't like or did like that tree. He enjoyed the life that he had. But it also came with specific responsibilities, and we miss this many times because the Bible says his responsibilities were he had to dress the garden and keep the garden. God creates a self-sustaining environment. Many times scientists prove that the tremendous breakthrough that they have, the evidence of that, they prove by the fact that that helps other parts of science and other parts of the world that we live in. When That's great and that's true. It's incredible to be excited about, but that's the world that our God created. The smaller you get, whether from an atom or an electron, as small as you get, it goes to complement everything else. And God's created a self-sustaining Sustaining environment and at the very same time god instituted man to be in that garden to dress the garden to keep the garden now the word dress in the hebrew means to actually cultivate the garden it was his responsibility to to, to make sure that things were right he had to prune the trees he had to make sure the fruit was growing growing great and in verse 15 god said i have a job for you and yet in the very next verse he said now here are the parameters of that job. He said, yes, you've got some job responsibilities, but he didn't wait much longer to say those job responsibilities still should not conflict with the covenant you and I have made. Yes, you're going to enjoy it. Yes, you're going to like your work, but you can eat of every tree of the garden and you have to, let, let me take that back, you have to cultivate every tree of the garden and you can eat of every tree, but one tree. You've got to touch every tree, but you can't have every tree. You've got to be able to work with every tree, but you can't consume of every tree. To put it another way, God said, Adam, you're going out into the workforce. I want you to be a part of the workforce, but I want you to do it with eternity in mind. You're going to have to be around, and you're going to have to work with things that are of sin, and you're going to have to work with the tree, and prune a tree, and clean a tree, and keep that tree up and make sure things are going well with that tree. And then in the midst of you working with what would be sin, you must never partake of that sin. He said, Adam, you've got to work within sin, but sin must never work within you. You've got to be in the world, but you must never be of the world and the world must not be what sustains you. See, it's common for Adam and God to go on a walk during the cool of the day. It's, it's, it, was, it was normal for them to have a relationship, for them to have a ministry, for them to be able to have a time where they got together and, and they commune together. There are going to be times, Adam, that you're walking with me, and we're going to be far away from the sin. But there will also be times when you must go, and, and your occupation is going to take you out of my presence And you're going to have to work with something that you know that you should not invest into yourself. There's going to be times when you're going to be around language. There's going to be times when you're going to be around people making decisions that are wrong and inappropriate. And as much as you're around those things, you must never let those things become a part of you. You see, so many times we get into this idea that it's okay to become knowledgeable and comfortable knowing the things of the world. When I would step out early on in this message to venture to say, it's okay to be innocent. Let me me say that again. It's okay for you to not know what your coworkers are talking about. It's okay for you to not Google what your coworkers are talking about. It's okay for you to not be knowledgeable about every drinks on the mixology menu. It's okay for you to not be knowledgeable about how certain people in your industry do a particular technique. When you know that in the case of video or in the case of photo editing, you know that to do that technique or to get engaged in that would conflict with some, con- some values that you've already established ahead of time. Sure, the world is going to go out and they're going to say that they value nudity. But you've got to understand, I've got a covenant that I've made it with God. And it doesn't matter if everybody else in the photography world does a certain step. I'm not going there because I've made a covenant with God that that's not who I am. It's, it's easy to think that everyone else may have an easier situation than you where they don't have to deal with as much of the struggles and the frustrations that the world may bring uh, I can tell you, though, I worked at the headquarters of the UPCI, which is sort of the administrative building that is uh, con- that's connected with the church here. Um, but it's it's for we've got you know forty some thousand churches around the world that we're connected with, and so it's that administrative building. It's not a church in itself, but it's more of just a whole bunch of people who come and work there and work for the church, and they're all Christian. They're all apostolic. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm sure if the question ever came up, you know, the same way that a Mexican restaurant can hire a lot of Hispanics, it's the same way they can hire a bunch of Apostolics there. From the legal standpoint of it, but so you would assume that a place where all Apostolics are, there would be no issues at all. There'd be no conflict resolution needed. We can leave Brother Brad Fane in Atlanta because you know we aren't, we don't have any conflict. In fact, we had. We had one secretary who was laughing at our desks. I was there for five years. She came up and she said, you guys will not believe the call I just had. She said a person called up, and I'm sure they were pure and they were innocent, and I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for their, their, their uh, nonwithstanding faith. They gave all their faith into who we are. But they said they called up and they were trembling on the phone. They were just needing to order a book or something. And they said it must be so wonderful to work at headquarters. Said it must be so wonderful. I bet you guys just randomly break out in prayer meetings in tongues, don't you? I don't know how she related to this wonderful saint, but unfortunately, there weren't as many prayer meetings that randomly broke out. It's more of asking if the rapture happened, who all would still be here, is what it's a type of. Sorry, should I say that? I mean, am I not? It's not appropriate. I don't know. Praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> you, <laughs> I didn't say that in the first service and there's a reason why not I, could, I told myself not to say it um, <laughs> you, so many times you, you just have to deal with situations there's, there's a part of a new convert's life when they come in and they get the Holy Ghost and trust me the Holy Ghost is the best way to be able to make it through your time you know, in work especially if you're at headquarters but many other places as well Having the Holy Ghost, it will make your life better. But there's so many times that people think, oh, if I just, you know, things are going to get better. I'm not going to have to go through so many struggles. And, you know, I wish that were true because there's some people you have to work with that are even happen to be apostolic, but they still happen to be human. And and it's still frustrating. And there's things that happen that you have to deal with. So no matter where you're at, God has instituted some things ...in your life where he says, you know what, you have to work. You have to have, even if you don't work a nine-to-five job... ...I'm sure there are some some, uh, mothers out there that are previously called stay-at-home moms. I'm not sure what the PC part of that is. But you have an administrative side of your life where you have to take care of particular things. And you have this administrative reflection between your administrative part of your life... ...as well as an entertainment part or or a pleasure part of your life. Things that just have to get done, left-brain stuff... And then you've got right brain stuff, which I'm doing that on the wrong side, if you notice. But I'm using my right brain to say right brain right here because you use opposite. So technically, I'm still in the clear there. And so you... You have your, your right brain and your left brain, you have this part that says we've got to work, we've got to be productive, and you have this part that says, we, you know, let's enjoy life, let's, 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 let's enjoy things that are in life. So you have this, this dichotomy, you have this parallel in life, but at the very same time when you're in the administrative side of your life, there are some things you've got to, some questions that come up, especially when you're in a workforce and you're in a place where different people engage in different ways and, and you're dealing with people that are, are, are uh, for lack of a better word they're sinners they're, they're, they're people that have they've they've you you can see in their lives the things that are wrong and the things that have gone wrong because they've given in to certain actions there are times us I was, I was talking to Brad Fain he was mentioning you know there are times where as as an employee you were mandated to go to a conference that's just a bunch a big drinking game is all that the conference is and so you're being forced into situations whereas you utter you otherwise would not So the question comes of, at what point does that line come in there? When when do I draw the line on certain things? And, And when does my covenant with God make sure, how do I make sure that covenant with God is the most important thing in my life? There's that dichotomy as I mentioned between administrative and entertainment you know even within your ministry there are some portions of your ministry that you certainly enjoy uh, that are not necessarily uh, administrative and there are certain parts of your ministry that are administrative so in all aspects of your life you have this dualism between both parts of you and, and, and you can like work sure you can enjoy it and you, and you can even be a little bit administrative have you ever known someone who um, even in their enjoyable time they you're like all right why aren't we here at nine o'clock on vacation we need to be here at nine o'clock and I don't know how they enjoy that but they do it I, I spent uh in June half of June driving around Ireland with my family because my family's the type like well we saw it now let's go to the next thing and so we spent three hours at a time driving through our entertaining part of our life there's that dichotomy that, that there, there's that that split dualism there between both sides And and there's a, a question, you know, like if you have a professional golfer, if he hits 100 swings just out in practice, and then he says, hey, let's do one more swing just for the fun of it, all of a sudden he moves from an administrative part of his life to an entertainment or an enjoyment or something that he likes to do. And this is important specifically because you have to ask the question, why are some things okay for me to deal with when I'm in the workplace or, or to, to put up with, and some things not whenever I'm on my own or whenever I'm living my apostolic life and, and enjoying life. And those questions are true. And, and the question is, where is the line where I'm not okay to do something in my work that, that might, somebody might be encouraging me to do? I like it in Romans chapter 1. Verse 29 through 32, it gives us a, a very great uh, template here to work with when that. He says it like this, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, this is a bad list, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedience of parents, somebody say Amen without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. And it says one last problem after everything else that they've done wrong. It says that they not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So let's just start off on the pleasure side first, the entertainment, my, my life. The question is, there are some things, some language that I hear at work that I hear so many times say, well, it's not a big deal for me to listen to that in my music or for me to listen to that on a, on a movie that's playing because I hear it all day at work. But at the very same time, just because something happens at work doesn't mean I need to go home and invest that into myself additionally. Is that okay? Am I okay with it? I'm not hurting anybody's feelings, right? So many times we say, you know, I have to deal with something at work, but when it comes over to the entertainment side, or not necessarily entertainment, but the enjoyable side of life, I've got to remember that I still have to have a strict covenant in my enjoyable side of life. But over here, when I'm in the business side, I've got to make the decision. You know what? I, I can't just tell people, well, you don't need to cuss around me, because that never works. I mean, maybe it's worked for you, but all the people I've seen, if you ask somebody at the manufacturing plant to not cuss around you or on the construction job, it's just going to make things worse. You're, you aren't moving in the right direction with that step. And so you ask the question, you know, how do I deal with certain things? Because there are some things you deal with at work and some sin you've got to deal with at work that when you come home, you say, but that's not who I am. That's not a part of my apostolic identity. That's not a part of the covenant that I've made with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so you deal with that at work, but let us let Let me know. Let me say this. You know, Adam had to work with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but they didn't need to set up shop there. Adam had to deal with it. He had to prune it. He had to clean it. But he didn't go home and say, hey, honey, let's go and live underneath the tree. Because we saw what happened when they spent too much time around the tree. And when Eve spent too much time around that tree, because that that, that thing that was only supposed to be just a part of their job came and became a part of their life. So you have to be very careful that you're making sure you're having a separation there. And I'm just setting this up a little bit. But my, my thing that I say typically is that there are some things that are against my covenant. I like using that word because it's inclusive of whatever you've made a commitment with God about. There are some things that are against my covenant that I would not entertain myself with but that I may have to deal with when I'm in a place of occupation or when I'm engaging with people in a community or when I'm in a, in a place where, I, I, you know, they, they sent me to a, a, a some convention that I've got to deal with the way that people act at this convention. So there are some things that I've got to deal with. But you know what? I've made a covenant with God about some things. Now, here's where the line gets blurry. Here's where the line needs to become solidified. If something causes me to sin or leads me to break my covenant with God, I either need to address it or I need to find another job. Let me say that again. Just because the, the editor has decided to have you start looking over the, uh, how do you say it, um, how do they look at the beach section on your uh, online blog that you're one of the editors at, you need to start asking yourself a question and say, "Is this going to be something that's going to cause me sin? Is this going to be something that's going to cause me issues? Is this going to lead down the wrong road? Because I have made a covenant with God that I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. So even though they may be telling me this is in your job description, I need to have a conversation with me and Jesus, and I need to know where do I stand on this. Now I realize that I, I, and, and this is just my opinion on it. You should probably never be in charge of that section, but because hopefully you don't know very much what everybody at the beach looks like anyways. Uh, But if... If you're a female and working at that company, it might be easier for you to have to deal with it if for some odd reason you come across it and you aren't having to deal completely with it. But at the same time, if you're a male, it may not be a good idea if that ever comes across your way at work to have to deal with that. So you either need to address it or you need to say, you know what? This is not the right place for me because point in fact, there's something that's more important than my nine to five job and that's my eternity. And whatever it takes for me to make it to eternity, I'm willing to do it here. Jesus said it like this. If your hand offends you, cut it off. If your eye offends you, cut it off. Whatever it is, you need to cut it off. I'm glad he didn't say if your face offends you because nobody can cut off their Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Hoping nobody worked at Facebook here, so maybe I won't get in trouble there. But let's let's say it clearly. If the place you're working is causing you to go to hell or could lead you that way. And you realize that you need to make a decision that says my covenant with God is more important than this. My covenant with what God has asked me to do is more important than me taking things and feeling uncomfortable and feeling convicted every time I go to work because I'm making some compromises in my life. If the people you work with are causing you, if for some reason you've got to feel like you've got to impress people you work with, that's an issue. I I, I knew a a young lady, my wife and I were, were looking at her pictures on Facebook last night. She just came up with my wife's feed she was one of my wife's childhood friends and she was a creative an incredible creative she was one of those creatives that was like you know how you you really like somebody but they're just sort of unique you know, anybody like you? Like, they're, they're personable, you like them, but they just have a very unique personality, and that was her. And she was able to do incredibly artistic things, and her eye for art and, and how these things worked was just absolutely incredible. She was an apostolic, but she was drawn to these things. There's nothing wrong with being drawn to the creative fields if you're an apostolic. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I would even go as far to say that creativity comes from constraints. And so many times people think, well, I need to start doing more and loosening up on my covenant with God so that I can be more creative. And that's incorrect. No, creativity comes from what constraints. If you only have black paint, then make something beautiful with the black paint. If you wanna make a video with your with your smartphone, but all you have is a dumb phone, then you need to make it look like it was intended to be shot on that dumb phone. And whether that's a personal view and, and whatever video or movie you're wanting to make and put out there, you need to think creatively and look, this is my constraint. I just have a dumb phone. How do I make it look like I'm a person using this phone to do a selfie video to create it? But what Whatever it is you look at your constraint and from that constraint you're able to be creative and yet so many apostolics they start to get creative and they start to be have success and it's easy to think if I just let go of my commitment on this one thing I can be more creative no 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 that's not how creativity works because if you stand for what you believe God will open up doors in your mind that you can't imagine and he'll open up doors in your creativity you know what? They may have to be on pot to paint good, but you can be on the Holy Ghost and be able to paint good. I'd love to hear that story of a painter who just spoke in tongues whenever they painted and had paintings go everywhere. That's, that'd be tremendous. You, you know, in art, have you ever been to an art museum where you're just looking around, and you're like, I don't, I don't get it. Y'all ever done that? You know, you just like, that doesn't matter. I don't know what they were on, but I, I don't understand what they were going for here. This, this girl, she was, she was apostolic but she had an eye for things. She had an incredible creativity but her problem was she was so drawn to being accepted by a creative community that she began to let go of some things and even when it didn't look like it, she had begun to let go of some things and she still dressed the part. She could still probably talk the part but she had begun to let go of some things until this entire house, this entire facade just crumbled and she completely backslid and you know why it was? She was incredible photographer but somehow the photography community and the people that she was engaged with and the people she looked up to in that occupation became more important than the covenant that she had made with the king of kings and the lord of lords oh forgive us god if we become so enamored with one more position up that we let go of some things Forgive us, God, if we start marginalizing it in our mind and say, well, if I make this one compromise, it's not a big compromise, and it's not really a direct sin, but I'll be able to take care of my family better, and I'll be able to do things better with on my enjoyment side. I'll be able to buy the boat. I'll be able to do whatever. And we begin to think, if I just don't mention this, or if I just don't say this, and we begin to make compromises on what we believe and what makes us feel comfortable and right for the sake of, Of a nine to five job. Let me say this there is value to being innocent. There is value to that. In the middle of the garden, the tree wasn't called the tree of good and evil, it was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let me talk to some 14 year old out there. When your friends at school are saying words that you don't understand and they're talking about things you don't understand that they found on the internet, it's okay to be innocent. It's okay to not know. Because there's a value to being innocent and to making that commitment. See, if it were up to us, I like Brother David Bernard said this, and I've held on to it. But if it were up to us, we would have chopped down the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We say, well, I can't work in that environment. I'm sorry, God. I can't. I can't have to deal with some certain things because in every profession you're going to have to come across someone who's making a bad decision or a sinful decision. In every profession, the question comes down to how much. Are you willing to facilitate that? Now, obviously, there's so many people here, we can't talk about each one of your situations and the specific aspect of facilitating someone's mistake that you make. Uh, But the question definitely comes down to saying, what do I feel right at the time? And the problem is so many times we wait for the moment to make that decision. We wait for the exact moment when we're going to make that decision. There was a story of, a, of an athlete. She was an Olympian, a winter Olympian, and they were doing a photo shoot. And they told her, just bring everything you have in your closet. So she brought all the stuff in her closet. And, and they said she got there, and it was a super high-paced environment. And they were saying, okay, well, let's put on this outfit. This will look great. And she went out and took a photo, and then she came back in. And they said, two minutes so she knows she didn't have a lot of time. She literally had two minutes. And so they said, well, here's this next outfit we just pulled out of your suitcase. Let's do this one. This will look great. She jumped in, she took the photographs, came back out. They said, two minutes. And she kept going back and forth until she came back in and the lady who was helping her says, hey, did you bring anything that's like fancy or or like a, 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 just something that's nicer and formal? And she said, well, no, I didn't bring anything like that. And she said, well, I'll figure it out. She came back in for the next uh, outfit change and she had this, this sort of like... Uh, Uh, strapless dress or something like that, that that she had pulled out for this girl's size and she said okay put this on and she heard two minutes and in that moment she knew she wouldn't wear that but in that moment she was having to make a decision of what do I do how, what step do I take whenever I'm trying to, to to, to obviously, if I take these photos, that's going to be something that could help my sponsorships and it could help my name get out there to make sure I can afford to live better. But and, and, and worst of all, so many times the pressure where these people just expect you to do something that may conflict with the value that you have. And she had that pressure of all these people saying, two minutes, one minute. And she finally turned to the lady and said, I, I just can't wear this. I, I, it conflicts with what I believe. And the lady said, okay, that's fine. And she gave her something else and got it on. She got the dress on and she went out and took the photos. And she didn't think a thing about it beyond that point in time. But she said the next year she came back for another photo shoot. And when she walked in, the lady says, oh, you're the good Christian girl I helped last year. I got something specially for you this year. So many times we think the absolute worst is going to happen whenever we're in that moment. But you have those moments. And the worst thing you can do is say, well, I'm going to wait till the moment when I'm going to make the decision on how to handle that. In fact, that's against the word of God. Because the word of God says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. If you want to know a great way to get a bad reputation about what you believe is to wait till a moment when you've got to make a hard decision, something that will be socially awkward and not have thought out ahead of time how you're going to handle that. Just telling people, well, please don't cuss around me. That's not, that ain't going to fly. Just just saying, well, you know what, you guys, I'm going to leave because I don't, believe, I don't agree with this. That, that doesn't work because these people don't need to feel condemned. Sure. They're doing things that make them worthy of condemnation, but you're not the person who can condemn them anyways. So you being holier than thou doesn't matter too much. But at some point you have to realize I'm not being holier than thou but I am still trying to be holy. I'm not trying to be better than you but I am still trying to be better. And so even though Even though there are all these decisions that have to be made, I am willing to, if I have to, I'm willing to make an awkward situation. But the Bible doesn't say you should. The Bible says you need to look ahead of time and say, I've got some stances about what I believe and about what I wear and the words I use and the things I put in my body. And I'm going to make a decision on on the morality of whether I should fudge some numbers or not, whether my boss tells me to or not. I've got to be able to make some decisions that I know ahead of time how to handle. And that's very difficult sometimes. I, I know there's a, a guy named Ryan who owns a suit shop in San, Sacramento. The, as, as liberal as the, uh, as liberal as the, the legislator in California are, he, he actually does a lot of their suits for them. So an apostolic is actually making their suits and they're connecting with them. He does suits for UFC fighters. He does suits for the Sacramento Kings. He's a great guy and he's actually changed suits into an experience where he says, you know what, come in, we're going to give you this entire experience of measuring you and putting the suit on you, and you're going to have this entire experience. And he's had so many customers who said, man, you need to start a bar in here so we can enjoy this. And theoretically, business-wise, economically, the green at the end of the tunnel says, yeah, that would make sense. You could make some good money doing that, but he doesn't do it because that's not who he is. And so he's learned a response every single time. He says, I don't even drink, so I would do a horrible job if we decided to add something this, to, uh, like that to this. And he has a much better way of saying it than I do, but he, has a, he just uses humor and de- 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 pulls off the front of being able to say, you know what, I don't do that, but I'm going to make a joke about it and help you feel okay about this conversation. So I'm not halting the conversation, but at the same time, you understand who I am, and that's okay for that to happen for people to be okay with who you are and understand that you're an apostolic and that you're not ashamed, but you're still polite and you've still found a way to be able to deal with the situation before you ever get to the situation. You see, you've got to look ahead of time because I don't know about Adam and I know that Adam, he would not have probably eaten the fruit by himself based on his track record. But you see, I don't know that Adam was expecting to come home and find his wife with a half-eaten golden delicious in her hand saying, hey baby, why don't you take a bite of this? He didn't think about the thought ahead of time, but when it happened, Adam had to be able to make a decision. And unfortunately, he made the wrong decision with what what he would be doing with his life. So, so many times it's that moment when we make that decision. And and I know it's a lot of times easy to say, well, it's hard to make those decisions ahead of time and think through all that. Yet all of you are already waiting for, what is it, 1248? You're waiting for an hour and 12 minutes from now when the top 25 rankings, a lot of you at least, top 25 rankings for the college football season are going to come out and you can see whether Georgia has jumped Penn State because even though uh, Georgia had a bye week, Penn State really showed some weakness in their secondary that should make the voters think that Georgia should jump them and be number two because you want to have a better better buffer when you're going into the top four contention for the college football playoffs. And you've got all this thought out ahead of time. And you're going to tell God, well, I just didn't know the situation was going to come up in my work. And that I was going to have to deal with my boss asking me to fudge some numbers or somebody asking me to come with them to the bar or somebody asking me out on a date that I don't date them and that, that they're not the person that I would that, that I would relate with. And you haven't thought about it ahead of time. You've thought about everything else ahead of time. But there's got to become a point in time in our life where we say, I'm so committed to my covenant. I'm so committed to what I believe that I'm not going to push it off on my church. I'm not going to push it off on my family. I'm going to say, here's what I believe. See, there's, this is the problem so many times. We have cultural expectations. This is why Harvey Weinstein is in the news. You've heard, you've, some of you have heard about this big Hollywood producer. I know it's a surprise to see that Hollywood is not a moral uh, industry. I know, I know you're breaking, especially being in Georgia here, you just know that's mind-blowing, right? It's amazing to me that they expect women to do the same thing on the screen that they're making fun of Harvey Weinstein for doing in the back bedroom. But you know how he assaulted women? He said, well, this is just how the industry works. And he put them in a moment. And sometimes, most of the time, it wasn't even their choice. It was their choice to go to the room with them. But he put them in a situation where he said, this is just how the industry works. And you're going to come to a point in your life when they say, well, you're a nurse at our hospital. You can't wear that. And you've got to make the choice and say, you know, how am I going to respond to this? And yes, you can be the best nurse. And in your mind, you can say, I'm going to be the best nurse that ever that has ever been in this hospital. And I'm going to wear a skirt doing it. And you're going to be able to say, I've made a commitment with my life where even though you're saying that your company won't allow this to happen, I have a right... A- being an American thank the Lord we're Americans being an American that I can be able to have religious freedom and I can express myself but it also takes some extra work on your part it takes some extra legwork on your part that says it's not as easy having my commitments but I'm willing to go the extra step so that I can keep the covenant I've made and whatever that covenant is with God and whatever stage you're at you've got to know that I'm willing to keep my covenant no matter what anyone says is right or wrong and whether you're a Republican or whether you're a Democrat, I think we all can be able to be thankful for Mike Pence whenever he said that he doesn't do meetings one-on-one with single young ladies because that's a rule that he has made before. That, that's a Christian thing. That's not a. The Bible says avoid all appearance of evil. So many times we like to you know give God the abridged version and say no God you said avoid all evil. That's not what God said. The Bible says avoid all appearance of evil because many times just avoiding the appearance can go ahead and take care of the evil. So one way or the other, whether you, whatever you believe politically, I'm thankful that there's at least somebody out there who's saying, you know what? Some of you may not agree with me, but here's a stand that I've decided to take. Here's something I've decided to do because I have some boundaries that I've set up as an apostolic and some things that I've got in my mind that I'm not going to go by. And we serve a just master. We serve a, ma- and you've learned about the, the relationship between the master and the servants in earlier series, and and, and that's a tremendous, a tremendous analogy to look at. Paul says, I am a, a servant to Christ. I am a slave to Christ. I give my entire life to him, and you can't serve two masters. So I know you have one master right now who pays your bill. You have one master who sends a paycheck home with you. You've got a boss that you may like, you, you may not like. I, I was joking around with Brother Fain that he's got this occupational uh conflict that he's going to be teaching about on Wednesday well me and my wife work together in the same building and I said we really need to be there on Wednesday so we can deal with some of that no I'm kidding I've got a wonderful wife she's over there thank you uh for putting up with me um But yeah, you know, you you have people you have to put up with. You have uh, bosses you have to put up with. But at the very same time, the Bible says you can't serve two masters. So yeah, you may be working for that boss, but you better remember, I'm not serving that boss. I've got a higher king. I've got a victorious king. I've got a king that can work in my life. And he will make a way even if it doesn't work the way I expect it to. And there are plenty of prosperity preachers that tell you God's going to give you a better job. He's going to give you more money if you just give him the offering. But that's not how it works. You don't give and then God repays you for that. And God has a debt that he's got to somehow settle with you. No, no, that's backwards because God's already given you a job. He's already granted you with some things in your life. And so you should say, you know what, I pay my tithe not because I'm going to get more, but because you've already given me, God, I want to say thank you. I'm careful with my family, God, not because I want my family to be good. I set some rules in my house, not because I want my family to be good, but because, God, you've already given me my family and you've already blessed me with my family. So we're going to live away because you've blessed us so much that we're just going to keep living that. So many times people expect that because they set up a rule, it's going to fix everything. When no, if you have the appreciation and the worship of God and you have a relationship with God, there are some things you can establish in your house, not because you hope things are going to go well, and obviously that's a byproduct of it, but because you know what God can do and what he's already done and that he's going to continue to do that. And so you make that commitment to him. But so many times we see situations like the... the, the, uh, master who comes back, and he goes to one servant that has five talents, and he says, how many talents did you make me? And the servant said, I made you five other talents. And he honored him. He went to, the, to the, the servant with two talents. He said, how many talents did you make? And he said, I made two other talents, and he honored him. And he went to the last service servant, and I'm sure many of you have co-workers who are sort of falling into this category. Uh, and he said, I gave you one thing to do. You had one job. You had one talent. You are not a talented person. You don't have talents. You have a talent. What did you do with this one thing I gave you? And he said, Well, well God, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I knew that you were a just master. And he said, I, I, I knew that. And he tried to compliment and talk his way out of it. You know how this goes, right? When the boss comes in and he's like, I want results. What happened to you? Well, you see, the problem was in quarter three, we had, I, I knew somebody, and I'm not going to name their names, but I knew somebody that could always, they could talk their way out of any meeting. Just, you just give them the floor and they could talk their way out of all the things that they didn't do correctly. And it, no one ever addressed it. And it worked for them. So, I mean, kudos to them for figuring out the system. And getting the loophole built in. But he was trying this. This guy was trying this and he was saying, well, you see, you're a jest master and all this reason. So I wouldn't hit it and I didn't do anything with it. You gave me a job. You gave me the ability to bring forth more money. You put me in occupation and I did nothing with it. God forgive us if we make it to if we make it to the end and we're standing before the throne and God said I put you in a place to win people. Go ahead and tell me what you did with that job that I gave you. Go ahead and tell me about the ministry opportunities that came for you to be able to help someone into eternity because I put you in their path because I knew that that person would then go and win a president or win a king of another country because I knew that that person had a relationship that you didn't know existed. And for you to say, well, God, I didn't know that, that that they had that position available. God, forgive us if we do that. Because we see the life of Jesus. Jesus, and I'm finishing up here. So if we could have our music come. But Jesus was a carpenter. And over a decade, Jesus worked as a carpenter. And he spent three years in ministry. There are some things that God had to learn as a carpenter before his ministry came into fruition. And that God put himself in that place. Joseph was 30 years old, sitting in a prison cell when his moment finally came. You see, there were some giftings that Joseph had, and he had the right opportunity. And those giftings put him in front of the king of his nation. Joseph had only three recorded dreams. In 30 years, he only had three ministry opportunities that were his gifting in ministry outside of his gifting in business. Three opportunities. And yet... If he had given in and listened to Potiphar's wife in that one instance when nobody would have known, he wouldn't have been in a place, in a prison cell, when God was setting him up for the greatest point of his ministry. Joseph was not a minister, according to our definition of minister. He wasn't a preacher. He didn't get up and talk behind a pulpit, but he was an incredible businessman. He understood how things worked. He understood how business worked, and he was able to produce himself in many different times, time over time, him being able to do that. And yet, if he had compromised the one time that he had the chance to, he would have never put him in the jail cell, which would have never led him to work for the king, which would have never led him to save his entire family, because one time he made the decision, I think nobody will know if I compromise. In fact, he knew that people would know if he didn't. He knew he'd be in trouble if he didn't do what his boss told him to do, or his boss's wife told him to do. And yet, that put them in a place. How many times has God had in your life defined moments when you've had conversations with coworkers, when you've had a relationship you've built with a coworker that could come to fruition, and God can use that ministry to work in their life? And one decision where you compromise can lead you away from that point of ministry that for many years God's been leading you up to. So many times when we come to an altar, we have an altar call, we preach about ministry, and we need to. We need to rightly preach about ministry. We say, What, what ministry does God have for you? How can He work through you? And, 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 and what ministry can you get involved with so you can minister or so you can serve others? But there is no separation between ministry and your life. You don't go to work and all of a sudden you're no longer a minister. You don't walk into the front doors and all of a sudden you're no longer in a place to help hurting people who are in need, who are looking for a solution and who are looking for an answer. And it's not going to be every single day that you have a conversation with somebody that could lead them to the King of Kings. But you better believe, even if it's only one time a decade, if you're living right and they know you're living right and you're communicating with them, there will be that divine moment that God puts into your life. If you don't compromise where God said, I've been leading you up your entire life to this moment, but you had to hold on to what you believe. And you got to have a covenant that you're saying, I'm not willing to let go of. And you've got to be willing to keep going toward the dream and keep using your giftings. And God has a, a root for you, a path for you. Let's stand today. There are people in your place of employment. They want what you have. For the faint, I'm going to, I'm sorry if I'm stealing your your example you might be given on Wednesday night but he said he would had a long commute to work for many years before he worked here at the church and he said he would go in early to church and uh, it's church praise the Lord I'm getting things mixed up here to work and he said he would just do his devotion at work and he said he never thought in all the years he was there he never thought anybody knew about the devotion he'd just devote and pray just at his desk before anybody got there And he said he went back years later for whatever reason. He was just stopping by to pick up some paperwork or something like that. And he said a lady came up to him and said, Hey, are you Brad Fain? He said, Yeah, yeah, that's that's me. I don't don't know. I mean, maybe Brad's more popular than I realize. He's signing autographs all around Atlanta. Um, He's a great guy. He needs to be. And she said, Yeah, you're Brad. He said, Yeah, I am. He said, Do I know you? She said, Well, no, you don't. But she said, When I came to work here, They told me that you're the guy that comes in and you pray and you have a devotion before work starts every single day. She said, that's why I wanted to come here. And she pointed over to an open Bible on her desk. And she said, that's why I wanted to be able to come to this place to work. He thought for 10 years or however many years she was working there, he thought nobody knew about some decisions in a covenant he had made with God. And yet what he did was affecting people and how people viewed and how people worked. I pray, I pray that we can have a relationship with God where we have moments like that where someone says, because of something you did, I know you weren't making a show of it. I know you weren't trying to be holier than thou. But because of a decision you made, I made some decisions in my life. There's going to be a moment when a co-worker comes in with a lost father or a, a, a divorce situation happening and they're going to be looking for hope. And you better have made a relationship with them where you were kind, but you were still godly. And they're saying, I have a way and a person I can go to. There's a, a lady in the floral community. She's a, a top florist. She's growing great. And we were in Vegas right after the situation happened. It was a somber moment in Vegas and we had a cool opportunity just in terms of occupation and still being able to work in ministry where we had hundreds of florists there. So we had a local wholesaler who went and donated flowers. And we were the only people, Stem Counter, my software was the only people with a big van we had got for our rental stuff for our booth that we went over and we picked up all these flowers for this for this display they were doing because the families of those affected by Las Vegas were actually in that same convention center that we were at. And so they went and did an incredible display in front of that convention center that those families would come. And they said one family came up and they brought a carnation. And they said, we lost our sister. And she, it was beautifully designed. Professional florists had put it together, but she laid this carnation probably awkwardly down in that design. Say, you know, thank you guys for making this. I was talking to the lead florist who was in charge of putting it together, the design side of it and she, she said you've been doing better at your speaking this year. She said, "Are you working on your speaking?" I said, "Well, I'm a minister." And she looked at her assistant and said, "I knew it. I knew you were a minister by how you were acting." And she said, "Well, you've really just been my she was incredibly affected by her, her hotel room actually overlooked where it was happening. And she said, I appreciate you listening to me because she was incredibly torn up. And I don't know that anything will ever come out of that, but I'm thankful that God put me in my occupation in a position where I could help someone who was hurting and who didn't know how to process something and they could talk through it. But God forgive us if we're so scared of saying I'm a minister or so scared of saying I'm an apostolic that we can't be there for someone in those moments. Father, I thank you for your presence today. I thank you for so many people here who've already made many commitments like this in their lives. I thank you, God, for those who are just going into their occupations. They're just going into their jobs and trying to decide where they want to move. God, I pray in the place that we may spend more time than any other place, our place of work. God, I pray that we can be ministers. I pray, God, that we don't allow ourselves to compromise and forfeit what you're trying to do in us. I pray, God, that we can be able to minister, that we can be able to help hurting people, and they can know that we are a source of comfort and that we have a source of strength. I thank you. I want to invite this congregation to come forward, and I would pray we'd rededicate some things to him. If there's some decisions you've made that might not have been right, I pray you'd pray about those. There might be some occupation decisions you have going ahead. It's okay every morning in your prayer time to say, God, I'm praying about my situation. There might be a boss encouraging you to do stuff you know you shouldn't do. There might be a co-worker that's causing you to go down a road. You shouldn't be going down. But I would pray. I would pray that we would pray just as fervently today about our occupation and about where we spend eight hours every single day as we do about our ministry. I pray right now in Jesus' name, God, you can work in this congregation. I pray that hearts are dedicating themselves to you. I pray that occupational shifts are happening right now. I pray that hard decisions, God, are being opened up right now to be able to leave over to you. God, I pray that these people in this congregation can realize the power that they wield in the spirit and that there are people every day who are searching for answers. I pray, God, that they can be there for those people.